The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? It's that time again. The Bible says what? Uh, what? Here we are. Yeah, what? What? The Bible says what? We are going to talk about some good stuff again today, uh, and I can't wait. It's Christmas time. It's not snowing. It is warm and sunny here in Ohio, but we are That's inching right. towards the holidays and can't wait to uh, be here once again with my dear brother, uh, hailing from Columbus, Indiana, right? Yeah. That's where you're at. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Merry Chris, almost Christmas, John Gibson. Yes, I'm John, by the way. Yes, you're John, and my, I'm Paul. Yeah. And we are two oh, pastors. We I'm are, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I still am. I don't know what's happened in your life. We And we actually haven't talked about anything controversial enough, I think, to get us booted <laughs> as pastors. But we are two very, pastors very true. Yeah. Who, who love talking about the complexities of Scripture, all the questions, and all the, the moments in the Bible that make you go, what? That, yeah, believe it or not, we believe it or not, we actually like the Bible. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, but cool. Yeah, I'm fascinated get, by it. And yeah, I love it. So I, I get to see John as we record. You just get to listen. John, did you get new headphones? I know. No, Paul. Uh, you're They're very shiny. The headphones that I've had from the very start of the podcast. Well, <laughs> see how observant I am. So Maybe it's anyway. the sun shining in my office. It could be, know, or yeah. it could be the reflection off. Never mind. Oh, my nugget. Yeah, you don't. You can't see me, but I am bald, like hardcore bald. And I just shaved this morning, so I do have a nice sheen going on. You on do. The top yeah. of the head. <laughs> yeah. And I got so the grays. Gonna, so you do. We are going to launch in. Uh, to, we thought it would be fitting now a week out from Christmas to just have like a one off week talking about the nativity. We're talking about Christmas. We're all kind of hon hopefully you're honing in on the reason for the season. Uh, our, our world makes Christmas about a lot of things. But in our uh, Christian tradition, uh, we believe that uh the church should be centered and focused around uh, the nativity of the Christ child, the coming of our Savior, the Messiah, as we live as followers of Jesus. Uh, now, 2,000 years later, in this strange in-between time where we are expectantly awaiting for Christ to come while he's already, he already came, but he's coming again. It's, it's that weird time of year where we kind of live in that in-between of already, not yet. Um, but we're looking towards the nativity, and I thought, Paul, it would be good for us to just take a look at the nativity scene in the scriptures. And we have a lot, I mean, like right now in my living room, I have like three nativity scenes that we've kind of, my wife likes to collect those things. And we have the magi and the shepherds standing there gazing upon this beautiful scene of Jesus wrapped in pure swaddling clothes and lights from heaven. And we all have like our nativity scene. And I thought it'd be interesting to talk about what are the differences between our traditional views and understandings and what we've heard about the nativity story next to what actually shows up in the Bible, in the scripture. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. The nativity, the, as Christ comes to the world and all of Sounds that. Sounds great. Good stuff. Yeah. Sounds great. 
So the first thing that I find interesting is in the Gospels, which give us the account of the birth of Christ, we have two of the Gospels deal with it directly, but only one really gives us any sort of backdrop to the story. Like only one of them like dives into actually here's what happened and, and how it all took place. And that's the gospel of Luke. The Which gospel makes of sense. Matthew. Right. Right. Luke was the Which detail he, guy. Yeah. He was, he was a doctor. He, he, uh, very, very detail oriented. And, uh, yeah, he, he puts it all out there for Theophilus, and uh, which means lover of God. And so he was writing all this down. Uh, and indirectly, we get to benefit from Luke's attention to detail. Now, and before we dive into his, I, let's have some conversation, Paul, just around, you know, because I've seen tons of Christmas pageants in, in church and the kids playing this scene out. And we have all of our favorite memories. I thought it'd be good for us to kind of let's just talk about some of the things we've heard through all the years we've been in church about what the nativity is all about, right? And so the first thing I kind of think of is we have Mary and Joseph riding through the night and Mary's in the throes of labor and they enter into Bethlehem and they start knocking on doors, right? Oh, and there's no room in the inn for you, all right? I have this picture of them knocking on all the motels <laughs> with, with the vacancy. Exactly. No vacancy Bethlehem signs, motels, right? yeah. But all throughout Bethlehem trying to, and there's no room, for, and we feel all bad for Joseph and Mary, and somehow they find their way to a stable, or some some innkeeper has a stable out back that he has, has mercy on these poor people who are about to shoot out a baby. And says, here, you can go have the baby with the animals, right? right so that's right, right. my first scene, right, is the inns and the innkeeper and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's interesting because that's what I was thinking about, too. And, you know, the scriptures don't really, the scriptures really don't communicate that in the way that we understand no, yeah. it. And we, right, yeah. we, I mean, you know, first thing, the first thing's up is, is uh, Mary's always uh, communicated as riding a donkey, right? Yeah. She's always, uh, and by the way, I um, got the opportunity to go a couple weeks ago to see the Chosen Christmas special. Oh, cool. I haven't seen it At the theater. Yeah. And they have like a, it's about 90 minutes of Christmas music and then 30 minute episode of the Nativity, right? Okay. Which, yeah. Yeah. So I don't like Christmas music, so I had to kind of bear through the nine minutes for an hour and a half, and then. Well, yeah, I was waiting. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know when it was going to start, so I kept like That's next song, brutal. next song. It's it's almost over. But uh, sure enough, sure enough, they had a uh, Mary come in on a donkey. Because that's, yeah, that's the a way. Very it's... traditional. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mary riding on a donkey. We also have, I also have this vision from stories and growing up of just like this really neat and tidy farm animal scene. Like we have the happy little cows and the, and the sheep and this beautiful little like, um, well, it's, it's called a manger, right? But this real neat thing with hay in it. And a, it's like the, the perfect little, little uh, cradle for baby Jesus to be laid down in, you know? So we have this very, clean have this very and... sterile view of, of that situation, right? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. What's that? Joseph in that uh, chosen uh, flick uh, was, was shoveling uh, crap off the, the oh. floor. Well, I thought that was them. so, that was so cool because I mean, it was like, he's trying to get, things ready you know um yeah it's interesting so jesus was born in the middle of poo 
That's right. Man. I mean, we definitely sterilize it, right? I mean, we oh, make yeah. it a very nice and clean, you know, yeah. scriptures really just give us a very, very general uh, 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 narrative. Uh, so yep. we have to read into all these things and we clean it up. But I love how they had him shoveling the crap, you know? That's so good. And then we have shepherds showing up and magi showing up. So like in our in our versions of the nativity, that's all. They're together, right? Conglomerated one big thing, right? So there the shepherds show up. <laughs> shepherds Woo, come up. And then the magi right behind them. The magi with all the gifts, you know, like lavishing. And the, the shepherd are still, the shepherds are still there when the magi show up, right? Yeah, they're all together. Oh, right, because we're having a big party, man. Like, and, and just the, like wrap your head around that. Mary just had a baby in a stable, like as she's been kicked around from end to end, and then uh, visitors who she doesn't know show up <laughs> to the right. birth scene. Like, uh, can you imagine? Party! Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Mary? Like, you just had a baby. Happy birthday, <laughs> Jesus! Can we can we sit and hang out for a while? Oh my uh, gosh! Can you imagine? Yeah. So, so but that's that's not uh, that's not what the scriptures say, right? So I mean that that's not, what we're going to talk about. Wait, hold on a second. No, I think I think say. it's important. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I mean, like I said, the narrative is pretty brief, right? So we, of course we're going to add in things to make it uh, bigger, right? To t- to take more time, right? But yeah. uh, the reality of it is, it's a pretty brief narrative. Yeah, but but its briefness does not disconnect us from how profound this moment is in history, right? Absolutely. And I, I think that's what, that's what we hope uh, maybe to reconnect with today is, is how important this scene is um, and what, what really is God is accomplishing and what, how God entered the world, I think, is important for us to see the, the events surrounding kind of the scandalous moment when the Son of God, uh, Savior of the world, uh, began the work of redeeming humanity, and how did how did he come? He didn't come with fanfare and all those things. He really came came into a scandalous situation of of human brokenness, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But but at first, I think it's interesting. It does give us a little clue in Matthew about what's happening. It isn't totally skipped over. In Matthew chapter one, we have Joseph accepts Jesus at his as his son, and it it kind of sets up this the scandalous scene, right? So Mary and Joseph are pledged to be married. The angel comes and says, hey, Mary, you're going to be with child. Joseph uh, finds that out and then this freak out moment, right? Which was in our Western view, we don't really connect with the severity of that circumstance. To be pledged in marriage to someone in the ancient world equated that you were married to them already. And the, the consequence for being unfaithful in that situation was stoning for the woman. Uh, so and even even a um, oh, not a threat, but even a uh, the the husband accusing the woman of being uh, unfaithful, whether it was true or not, could have been a death sentence for the woman because all of the you know all of the weight of uh, belief was upon the man in that situation. But but we so we see this situation already be scandalous. Joseph is talked to by an angel. We read in the in the Gospel of Matthew, and then in Matthew chapter two. This is where we get, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came. So that's basically the birth account in Matthew is, hey, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We get like one sentence, right? But yeah. Then we have so, Luke. Well, yeah. But before we jump to, to, to Luke, we make yeah. an assumption that the Magi are visiting baby Jesus. Right. But most historians say that Jesus was older. You know, a right. year or so. Uh, so we don't really know. 
uh, but it probably isn't necessarily the same scene in the nativity. Magi come at a later time and, and visit. So it's just interesting right. the way that we assume, assumptions assume the scriptures teach. But Yeah, and I think sometimes in our assumption we miss the, the important reality of why the Magi are included. We have this, in this Jewish account of, of God coming, Yahweh sending his son into the world as a, as a Jewish savior to begin with, but also then later for the Gentiles. This, this inclusion of Magi's from the East, these are pagan yeah, humans, Gentiles. right? In a Jewish story, in a Hebrew story, Gentiles in a Hebrew story, and yet they're included at this beginning moment of the savior coming for not just the Jews, but also for all the world. So yeah, the the importance of the Magi being included was really profound, right, Pastor Paul? Yeah, absolutely. And I think another aspect of this particular story, which sometimes gets excluded, is the fact that uh, King Herod uh, wanted to wipe out this baby, wipe out this uh, child. And so there was a repeat of uh, Pharaoh wiping out boys. Uh, and so I think that that expresses the threat of the uh, incarnation, the threat of the, of the birth of this uh, king of the Jews. Uh, Herod wanted to, to, to do genocide, right? Man, that's, when you said that, the threat of the incarnation, I, I just think that is such a great way of talking about that. You know, how when God invades our world, when he puts on flesh, and how oftentimes our response is, is or the response of the world to God entering in is feeling threatened, you know, and how that is revealed through this story is a pretty cool way to say that, Paul. The threat of the incarnation. It's good. I wonder if the incarnation is threatening you today, listener, or me. <laughs> it's a good way to think about, it. you know, what? how in my life am I, you know, I don't think I just off the wall say, I feel threatened by God, but I think sometimes my actions towards God's invasion of my life Sometimes I could say, oh, yeah, wow, I can see how the incarnation has threatened me, my way of life. I mean, I think that, I mean, for Herod, he felt so threatened that he was willing to do the unthinkable, right? Mm. Uh, What do we call this? The uh, something of the innocence is the the backdrop of this story. I can't remember the title of it, but uh, it's a scary, it's a scary moment in scripture and we tend to gloss over it. But I think that's part of the um the the christmas narratives in, f- in fact uh we celebrate this particular story on epiphany so yeah that's interesting i always i do always find that interesting every year because traditionally like growing up in the church we we spent time with these stories had leading into christmas and now the last few years since i've been engaging with the lectionary you, and I love it. Is this Advent period before Christmas? We don't. You don't spend any time on the nativity. It's all on this expectation or the preparing the way for the coming of the King. This preparation for the arrival of Jesus, which too often we just jump to the celebrations and ruhas of of Christ coming and forget the work that is involved in our lives to prepare for the coming of the King into us. And but it is interesting, man. Every year I kind of. Uh, feel afresh that tension of I just want to get to the nativity, you know, and then then we, we celebrate the nativity the two Sundays that are the least attended in the church calendar. Absolutely, yeah. The, the 12 days of Christmas about, and then the epiphany. I want to talk about Jesus coming to the world and I got crickets in my sanctuary because every, everybody's gone. 
So anyway, Christmas Eve, I'm talking about the nativity. I'm like, it's there. <laughs> do it. Do it. All right. So we got the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of it. Luke. Well, it's interesting that the Gospel of Luke in the birth narrative starts talking uh, political right away. Right. So we yeah. talk about this census by Caesar in which, you know, I think this this opening um, this opening part of this story that we often skip over again, it really communicates the, the world in which Jesus is being born into. It's full mm-hmm. of leaders and politicians and kings and emperors uh, that this child is going to have conflict with. Uh, and so the census is a matter of control. It's a matter of, uh, you know, taxes. Uh, it, it, it has a big time effect upon society and economy and the world that Jesus was born into. And as we sing the uh, uh, Magnificat, uh, we see the, this child comes to turn the table, so to speak, on these rulers. So it's, it's quite the interesting opening that gets read on Christmas Eve, isn't it? Yeah. And boy, it looks awfully familiar too. themes that I think throughout the centuries continue to repeat themselves as Jesus enters into the same reality over and over and over again, whether it's in our own personal lives or the systems of the world. This is certainly true of our modern day as Jesus continues to enter into worlds uh, where authorities and powers uh, try to rule and insert their will and formation upon the people as God enters in and tries to counterform us into his image yep. rather than the image of the world. That's for sure. All right. So should I, how about I just read this and uh, we'll talk about it. Maybe okay. Do it. All Do right, it. Luke chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Curianus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Why don't we just pause there and kind of unpack that that little section there. What do you think? What stuck out at you? What's different from our normal view of the the nativity story, Pastor Paul? Well, number one, I would say, uh, I mean, there's a lot here we could talk about. But number one, there is no innkeeper. Yes. What? Now, listen, I want Joseph banging on doors, man. Like, (laughs) there is no innkeeper. So what happened? So probably uh, Joseph would have went to his family. And he would have went to his family and wanting a place. But everyone else was coming to town at the same time for the census. So there really wasn't any room left in the family's house. And so they were forced to sleep with the animals, assumption, uh, in a lower aspect of the uh, family home, right? Uh, and so that's kind of what it is. It doesn't really say there's no room in the inn. Uh, that's yeah, it says uh, there was added, no guest room available for them. For, right, no guest room. Uh, so, you know, the inn is added in by translators. 
to kind of, uh, because they're trying to read into the story, right? But really, it was probably a family home. What do you, what do you think here? Yeah, so, so I have some interesting thoughts. Number one is, uh, again, let's connect back. So for all of you who are listening today, you have no idea what we're talking about with ancient, how ancient homes were constructed. Uh, their furnace system in ancient uh, homes were, were animals, were livestock. They would bring them in uh, for the night, and the bottom floor of these homes would be where all the livestock would be and food stores and things like that. And the heat rating from the animals would then heat the upper floors. Generally, there was a second level where everybody slept and common rooms where they ate were then on a roof level where they would have meals and things like that. Um, but the family would stay kind of on that second level. I, I find it really interesting though, right? So they were going to family, this couple who is pledged to be married together, but then had this scandalous thing happen, right? And mm -hmm. just short of having Mary dragged out and stoned, Joseph has this weird, uh, and, and I, I mean weird as in he goes to his family and said, hey, an angel talked to me. You know, like, I, I wonder what you would say to your brother if he came and said, hey, my wife's pregnant. It's not my baby. And an angel told me it's everything's going to be okay. You can sleep <laughs> with the animals. Right. So, th so this whole, like, it's like, you know, uh, from Christmas story, what's the, the crazy uncle's name? Uh, um, what's it? He's emptying his pooper out on. The oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie, cousin Eddie. It's like the, the cousin Eddie calamity, right? You got this, this whole family of properness. And, and then here's Joseph with his pregnant wife. This, Have you heard? It's not his baby. They come into town. Everybody's there. You know what happens when families get together? They eat and they reconnect and Joseph and Mary knock on the door and everybody's, all the neighbors are going, hey, look, Joseph and Mary are in town. Wow, she's real pregnant. And what, what is it? I think in this instance, they knock on the door and the family kind of hustles them away out of sight. It continues this theme of of the scandal that the, the Christ child enters the world into. And, and not a king who is held up for all to see and celebrated by those who see his coming, but a king who enters into a world of scandal and is, is whisked away out of the public eye, almost to be forgotten by those uh, who are in places of power, uh, kind of under the nose of the authority of the world, enters this king who has come for those, check this out, Jesus has come for the oppressed, the outcast, the margins, the people of the world who are forgotten, lost, who are shoved away into side rooms out of the sight of those in privilege and authority. So Jesus comes to the world and he finds himself birthing into the world in a place right where all the people he's come for will be. I think yeah, that's pretty yeah. stack like Absolutely. I'm reading into it, but I, I, that gets my like gets my goosebumps up, man. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think you're reading into it too much. I mean, I think that most historians and commentators are are kind of jiving with you there, dude. And I think that yeah. that's pretty much what they've settled into is the the story, even though that's not probably mainstream, right? Even in the chosen oh, yeah. movie, they they pretty much went the whole innkeeper route, you know, with the innkeeper arguing with Joseph, and Joseph says, "Well, they're going to let us, you know, with the animals, and you know." But I I think the uh, recognition of the historical context, thinking about family and the exclusion and the marginalization of the baby, as you brought up uh, so beautifully, John Gibson. Uh, I think that uh, it really speaks to um, really the heartbeat of God, right? Yeah. And God rolls with it. God rolls with the exclusion 
uh, and it ends up becoming uh, part of the the narrative that we repeat every year. Um, So when we have the eyes to see it the way that it probably took place, we're able to identify much more with the heartbeat of God. And I know, so the next part of this, which I think connects directly into this, uh, what, who Jesus came for. And, and so, Pastor Paul, we have congratulations in order for you almost. You, you have a daughter who's a, about to have a, a baby. So congratulations. I think next week we'll all be praying for yeah. you. You're going to be a grandpa. Yeah. And, a really and bad gonna, grandpa, by the way. <laughs> you know, you're going to be an awesome grandpa, dude. Well, but, I will be, but a bad one, too. Yeah, you're going to spoil, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, what, but when you, when that moment comes, you know, I know you, you've already, you guys are excited and all the preparation that happens when a baby is coming and, and the baby is finally here. What's, what's the next thing when that baby's safe and present and a part of your family? The next thing that follows is joy. It's celebration. Right. It's, the, it's the thing that happens, right? We, we post and we're excited and congratulations. And that's what families do when babies are born. And yet Mary and Joseph, lot hidden away in the, with the animals while the family is upstairs doing their thing. The Christ child is born. But this moment of birth is something to be celebrated. And yet God, I love this because God doesn't leave them to celebrate alone. Right. So the very next verse in verse eight, it says she had the baby. There's no room. And then there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you the best news, good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, to you. I think that's beautiful that the angel makes it personal, that a, a, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. A great company of hosts start singing glory to God in the highest heavens. And when the angels left, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurry off and they find the baby in the manger on the house, hidden away in the margins. And God ensures that proper celebration happens. Uh, I think that's a, a really cool uh, scene yeah, that. that happens. Yeah. I love that. That's right. Great joy. Uh, surrounded by uh, stinky animal shepherds, right? Yeah. So talk to me about that. Let's give the, our, our listeners some context. Shepherds, when, so we've, again, we've just, we've kind of needified and, you know, cleaned up the image. We have the, these nice shepherds with their pretty sheep and lambs with their shepherd crooks coming and, you know, standing in homage for Jesus. That's our scene. But let's talk about shepherds. Who were shepherds in the ancient sure. world? Well, shepherds have a great um, uh, story, a great heritage, right? Uh, throughout the Old Testament. The Lord is my shepherd. David was a shepherd. Shepherding was a great and honored profession, right? Um in the time of the New Testament, uh, it was uh, usually hired people uh, that did the job of the shepherding. Uh, and they took care of the sheep for the sacrificial system of the temple, typically outside. Uh, so many stories really communicate that they were often thieves and low lives. I don't know if that's completely true, uh, but they were definitely more marginalized than the accepted crowd of the Old Testament shepherds, right? Uh, and so you had hired people outside at night, uh, hired to take care of the flock. And uh, they're the ones who probably uh, weren't able to worship, uh, weren't uh, thought highly of within the social context of that world. 
And that's the group of people that um, uh, God chose to reveal the good news of, of the gospel. And of course, they left the sheep uh, to go to the baby, uh, of course, to, to, to worship, to honor, to celebrate. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot here. Again, a, a lot of it is we, we swing the pendulums pretty far. So, you know, we think of shepherds as these clean people. So, uh, you know, in the, in the manger scenes, it's real nice and pretty. And then we go the opposite route, and these are dirt balls, right? And so <laughs> I, I, I think it's probably somewhere, it's somewhere in the middle, in the middle. Yeah. probably more in the middle. But the, the marginalization, I think, is incredibly important. These people were not probably well thought of in that world. Um, and so the, the marginalization uh, piece is there. Now, in the spirit of, of Leonard Swede, one of my favorite authors, he, he's a big metaphor guy, right? Semiotics. He's seeing the signs and images that point us to uh, some deep, profound truths that were within Scripture. And I, I hear him in the back of my head saying, stop for a second and see something really beautiful in this story, right? So here's the shepherds who were tending the flock. You, you mentioned it, uh, Pastor Paul. Um, much of that flock was to be used in the sacrificial system of the temple, the Pascal lamb, the lambs who would be sacrificed for the cleansing of the people of Israel and for the cleansing of the sin of the people of God. They were the caretakers of the sacrifice. Uh, they, were, they were even, and then receiving the benefits of, of that sacrifice as the people of God reconnecting to God. And yet these shepherds left that flock, left the sacrifices that up until that point in time had been the, the very thing that had secured reunion and union between God and his people. And they came and sat at the feet of the Lamb of God, the one who had come to replace what had come before, that Jesus had come to make, it, to make it perfect, and he had been given to them as people to be the once and for all sacrifice and purification and the, the restorer of this relationship between God and his people. I just think that's so cool, the, the connections. And I, I, I think we need to remember to not let things like that fall flat on us as we read stories like this, how, how biblical authors would have, would have known what the shepherds were up to and would have known the significance of them leaving that flock behind to come and be sent to see this new lamb of God as shepherds sitting at the feet of this new lamb. I think I love that. really cool. So beautiful. And I love that. Just, for me, it brings out just new layers within the scriptures that speak to us about who Jesus was and what he was up to. You know, when I was watching that Chosen show, they brought up something that I never heard before. And I haven't done any research, so I have no idea if this could be verified. But um, the swaddling clothes that Jesus was wrapped in were cl uh, cloths that would have been used to wrap up um, lambs for the sacrifice. Oh, um, really? So, That's interesting. Yeah, to be used for the temple. And again, I didn't didn't research, so I really probably shouldn't even say anything. But I, <laughs> I, I love. Really cool. I, I love. Say they use for burial clothes too, you know, or something like. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm just kidding. But I think that uh, you heard it you first know. here on the Bible says. <laughs> I think the details are important. I think Luke probably yeah. wouldn't have put a lot of things in by accident, and I think that he probably was yeah. intentional with wording and. And so, you know, maybe there's a lot more into the story that we can discover. And as years go by, we'll discover more and more and more. I love the ending of this particular story that Mary kind of pondered a lot of this, right, in her heart. She was kind of trying to figure this out, what was all happening. 
And yeah, I think that treasured uh, up all these things. That's good. Mary, uh, the day Mary was given to women um, or girls who the parents wanted a boy. And that's mm. the reason why there's all of these Marys all over the place, right? Uh, there's, I don't know how many Marys, Mary, the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene and Mary, uh, the other Mary, I think. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of Marys. And, and so this, wow. this group of ladies would have kind of been born into disappointment. Uh, and so I think of her pondering and treasuring these things as a reflection to the fact that here is this girl who was wanted to be a boy, who was, was by the parents wanted her to be something that she was not. And she lived with that disappointment and uh, how uh, she was wrapped up and invited into a story that was so much bigger than herself. So I love that disappointment is kind mm. of, uh, and that's where I'm rolling with on my sermon on Sunday. Disappointment kind of uh, is, is transformed, right? And yeah. she's a part of uh, the deliverance of the world. And yeah. I think that's what the heart of Mary's song is all about is she's invited to part, be part of something. Uh, I'm going to give you a nugget. You ready? Yeah, do it. God yeah. turns our insignificance into significance. Yeah, that's good, man. Down, preach that bad boy on Sunday. Because <laughs> it's beautiful, God. He it does, is. man. He, I, I, I've never heard that about the Mary, uh, the name Mary. I think that is so cool. That's something people that were cast aside, God sweeps up. For his well, I think we resonate so with cool. that, right? How much disappointment yeah. do we live with, right? Right. Uh, and Mary is uh, just one of many characters in Scripture who... Uh, live with the same emotional trauma and things that, that oftentimes we have. And, yeah. and so there's something there for us. And I love that, uh, that phrase, insignificance to significance. And I think yeah. that uh, that's, that's beautiful. Good stuff, man. Well, it's been a great conversation. I love that there's so much within this story. We, we hope that our little jaunt into the nativity uh, maybe has shed some new light upon the story for you. And uh, you know, our intention isn't to do away with all of our wonderful images of, of our traditions and stories of the past, but our traditions ought to be informed by what is found in Scripture, and, uh, and they ought to be enriched today. And we hope that our conversation in the Scriptures today and the Spirit of Christ within the Scriptures uh, has enriched your understanding of what it means for Jesus to have come into your world and mine and Pastor Paul's and to promise us that he's coming again. Uh, I think that is just a profound thing as he continues these themes of entering into brokenness and mess and scandal and all the places we don't expect him to show up. And yet there he is uh, right in the midst of it with us, redeeming and restoring. And we hope it's encouraged you today. So I, I got one last little thing, right? You ready for this? There yes, is one, one, one missing character from the nativity scene that nobody talks about, right? I'm going to write a blog post on this. One missing character... <laughs> From the nativity I feel like I should scene. Drum roll. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Ready? It's the the dragon. The dragon. What are you smoking? Yes. <laughs> He's been watching too much Game of Thrones, everybody. When I went last <laughs> when I went last week to the monastery, uh, I had too much of the bourbon fudge. <laughs> You heard it first here on the Bible says. So, so in the book of Revelation, it talks about uh, the, the, the woman has a baby and the yep. baby's thrust up into heaven, right? And the dragon uh, goes to war with the archangel and the dragon is thrust down. 
And so there's this whole kind of idea that the, the nativity has an aspect of uh, a part of the, the dragons. Uh, you know, the reason he got so upset was the birth of the incarnation. So there's a lot there and a lot of stuff in Revelation. And I, what I want to do sometime is to really bring that together as some sort of really yeah. powerful story. Uh, is to say, you know, what it would it be like? And I'm sure somebody's already drawn up a nativity yeah, scene with a dragon, dragon above, like, a, like a dragon scene. in the background. Yeah. Well, I got to like, take like that was the image in my head. It was like, oh, that would be a freaking awesome T-shirt. <laughs> a dragon there, like Dungeons and Dragons. What you need to do, John Gibson? You need to go home. And don't tell, don't tell Heather this, right? Go home and take a, a dragon from your Dungeons and Dragons game or something, right. and yeah, stick it in one of the nativity scenes and take a picture. <laughs> It's happening. It's, it's see, it's see how long it takes for her. See how long it takes for her to notice. Okay, all you listeners out there, check out our Facebook page. I'm going to send it to Pastor Paul today. He's going to post it on our Facebook page later tomorrow or something. The dragon appearing in the nativity scene. That was a beautiful thing. What a, and then, what a great, what a great image. So then I'll write something up about it and use it yeah. in a blog post. How's that? Does that work? I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Tell okay, us, cool. Give us awesome. some context. Actually, it's really interesting. Uh, as you say that, I wonder these other, again, lens sweet in, in my back of my head, these these signs pointing to these bigger themes within Scripture and the, the birthings within Scripture. What are the different birthing stories? And this one from Revelation is interesting. And I, I think you're right, Pastor Paul. There, there's connection to what God is doing in the world and what has been shown in signs and symbols throughout the rest of scripture that point us to deeper truths about what happened to that moment when Jesus came into the world. That was a cosmic event uh, that was, you know, turning yeah, evil. Yeah, well, you think about getting back, to, getting back to Herod, his willingness to yeah. wipe out boys. I mean, that that's, that's the dragon, right? The dragon yeah. working through King Herod. I mean, that's one of the things in Revelation is the dragon uses... Uh, the beast, right? And uses yeah. the land beast and the sea beast. And so the dragon was using King Herod. Uh, mm. And it's just so interesting. And I love the nativity. We, we make it so nice and sweet. But scripture really speaks to it was a threat. It was like uh, round one, man. The revolutionary grudge match. Yeah, round one. Well, there you go. That's going to be next year's Advent Christmas I, theme oh. sermon series. Cosmic grudge match. Oh, Cosmic, yeah, with the dragon oh, in the background and yes. the nativity. Well, yeah, okay, there you I'm go. That down. <laughs> I'll work on the artwork today. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you can find your way to Living Hope or uh, to Sandy Hook United Methodist next Advent season for that. Uh, that yeah. It'll be great. There you go. Well, man, this has been awesome. I've enjoyed again talking. We're, we're going to take a little break next week um, from our for our Christmas season time with family away. I know Pastor Paul has other things going on, like grandbabies coming and stuff like that. I guess he's too busy to record a podcast. But we will darn be back. straight, I'm too busy. <laughs> we will be back after the the new year of 2022, jumping right back in. And we would love to hear your questions. You can uh, email either me, Pastor John, at elivinghope.com or Pastor Paul at Sandy Hook. Yes, sandyhook.org. They'll be in the show notes today. We would love to have your questions. We want to, we're going to get back to talking about the weird, weird, huh, stuff of the Bible, things that make you scratch your head and go, hmm. We want to talk about those things. So send us your questions, the things you've always wanted to ask about the scriptures and the Bible, and we would love to engage in that conversation. But uh, until then, uh, have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays. Uh, And again, I'm Pastor John Gibson, uh, part of this duo, and this is, again, Pastor Paul Desay. Grace and peace, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas.
The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?